On this episode, on this episode of Japan 2.0, some of the coolest stuff is so hidden here, almost on purpose. It feels like it's trying not to be found, you know, like they don't want business oftentimes. Mystical world of game and wonder, arcade sensors like no other nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, every moment, everything you see, you want to jump all on it. Damn, walking through these halls, my childhood is written on these walls. Hello and welcome to Japan 2.0. This is one of your hosts, David. And this is your other host, Matt. That's right. And uh, how have you been doing, Matt? We're here in December. <laughs> yeah. Mid-December. Uh, yeah, we're surviving, right? Like, I mean... That's right. It's been an interesting year and, uh, yeah, making the best of it, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're in the year of uh, 2020, the last last weeks of it, and coronavirus is, I don't know, second wave, third wave, but it's, it's a pretty, it's the biggest one we've had in Japan. And, yeah. Uh, it's pretty interesting. There's no real changes or anything happening. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, life is carrying on as normal, although it feels like it shouldn't, but... Yeah, I guess um, it seems like things are starting to quiet again. And Osaka, uh, yeah, is, at least in Osaka, well, yeah. Osaka right now is actually the biggest. You guys, the cases the last couple of days have been the same as Tokyo, but you know the population's a sixth of the size, so that means it's you know much much greater in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Code red <laughs> is what the the government call it, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're not here. We're not the coronavirus podcast. Luckily. Uh, I don't know if there is one, but I, I would I wouldn't listen to that one. But uh, yeah, we oh, are. This is this is uh, Corona 2.0. You're Corona. all Corona all the time. That's right. You know. Yeah, we're Japan 2.0. You know, bringing you kind of the real life, uh, the nuanced uh, side of Japan. That uh, you know, I think we're still one of the few podcasts out there doing it. Uh, recently, we're on the Made in Japan podcast. Uh, so if you go check that one out, uh, Mel is the host over there. Really great guy. Uh, you can check out. I don't remember what episode number it is, but you know, if you just look, it's one of the more recent ones. And uh, if you want to kind of hear really Matt and I's backstory, how we met, and uh, our thoughts on our own podcast, which we don't really talk about on here, that'd be kind of weird. Uh, you can you can go there and listen, or he kind of asks, you know, kind of just while we're podcasting and how we came up with the idea and what we hope to do in the future. A lot about pastries too. A lot about pastries. You'll be surprised. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, but here today, speaking of one of those kind of minutia Japan episodes, uh, this is one. And this is the kind of title of this episode and the idea is, I think it's a coin I'll take, I'll take credit for. I've not heard many other people talk about these things before. It's a big me moment, and I always ask my friends or coworkers, like, can you tell me about this? And it's what I call maiden, or I'm in Japan moments. Uh, yeah, the I'm in Japan moments. And I don't know, there could be a better name or better way to say it. But basically, uh, what the idea behind it is like, you would think living in a foreign country or living in Japan, you'd constantly be aware that you're here in Japan, right? And it'd feel, wow, I live in Japan. But for me, at least, you'd be shocked at how few times those feelings occur after, I don't know, a couple months in, maybe three months in, and you start to kind of just get numb and 
I don't know. When do you think that happens? Around three months, four months, a couple months, Matt? Yeah, I would say maybe a half a year okay. is when I, I it started to f- finally hit me where, you know, the realities of life, you know, were right, really... Hun- uh, There's some phases yeah, the- when you live abroad. Uh, the, one of the first ones is called the honeymoon phase where you know, every, everything is just awesome and great and uh everything's exciting and new and oh my gosh i'm getting sushi at the convenience store i can't believe it right like you're taking pictures of it all uh now again some people uh, don't follow this i remember our friend tom actually said really honeymoon phase no way the first couple of months in the country are, are the hardest so everyone's different but uh typically yeah. after, after the honeymoon phase we'll kind of come a very quick uh like uh homesick phase as well where you get all that lore, shiny lore, it kind of comes off and like you kind of miss home and miss your friends and stuff. And then after that, you kind of neutralize and it just becomes life in general. I never had the homesick phase ever, uh, but some people do. I think you and I are similar in that way. I don't think I ever went through a severe homesick phase either. Right. Maybe Christmas, always day, been happy Christmas day or something, yeah. you know, I, I kind of yeah. miss uh, home. But yeah. there are that. moments, of course, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, around six months or whatever, I started to have these kind of like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm I'm in Japan. And I guess it kind of tells you how comfortable you are in a country. Like, I don't know, maybe if I live somewhere and it wasn't a place I loved enough to make my home and live there forever, right? Maybe I'd constantly kind of feel that way. But for me, Japan just feels so natural. So, I don't know, I feel so at home here that it often doesn't feel like I'm in Japan, it feels like I'm in Michigan or, you know, back home or would you agree there? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think that, you know, especially since, you know, you get so used to your normal life, you're working, you're with coworkers, you're, you know, in our cases, we're with a lot of like, uh, other foreigners, you know, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time, you know, at work. And, um, with that being the case, I think that you don't get to see a lot of aspects of Japan other than your daily life, right? So um, typically I have those moments when I leave the city. So it's when I'm going traveling, I do some domestic travel or I'm going to a place I don't, you know, I'm exploring for the first time. That's usually when I get those moments. Um, You know, after you do the routine of wake up, go to work, you know, go shopping go to your favorite places to eat and then come home. I mean, is some of that newness that, um, yeah, that those moments that I'm in Japan moments kind of get dulled, you know? Yeah. I think, um, it's interesting to note that like in Korea, I think you and I are both more integrated into Korean society and that we were the only non Korean people at our workplace. And we lived in maybe areas where the, there were no other, uh, we were the only non-Korean people there. You know, you'd walk in the street, you wouldn't really see a lot of other non-Korean people. However, I, I still had this feeling just as often there, I think, like, the same time period, right? If I think about one year in, two years in, mm-hmm. like, I was very integrated in Korean society. I didn't hear English, you know, in my class I would, but then when I would leave my class, like, I wouldn't hear English ever again. Um but I still had this feeling. So I, th- I do think that is interesting. Yeah, we do work at international companies and we have a spouse, you know, in our, our home language that we speak is in English here. But I still think even if I was speaking Japanese and stuff, maybe a little bit more, you know, I, I, I would feel that way, but I, I don't know. 
anyhow, so today we're going to kind of talk with you guys about um, when we have those moments, these I'm in Japan moments, and what kind of causes them. I think it might be interesting for people that are in Japan or living in Japan. Maybe they can relate and be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what triggers it for me, too. Or for um, people, you know, who haven't been here or don't live here or just traveled here, you might be surprised by some of the things that make us feel that way. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So Matt gave a bit of a preview there. So I'll kind of stick on the same topic of you said traveling, right? Yeah. So some of my things, again, with our podcast, we kind of aim to not be cliche about, you know, what we cover with Japan. But a lot I think a lot of things I'm going to say today are kind of the (laughs) cheesy cliche things because that was so integrated and that was the view of Japan, right? The sushi, the sumo, you know, video games, all that stuff. So, like, those are, as much as I try to, like, find other stuff or I think it's cool to report on the other stuff, you know, the the things that really make me feel what is Japan, uh, some of it's that. So, one, one, I'll start off with cheesy, and you mentioned travel outside of the city, and you'll see a lot of this kind of tree. What kind of tree do you think makes me feel like I'm in Japan? The bamboo? Bamboo, yeah. So, I don't know if it's actually a tree, though. Was it not? Isn't it more like a, a like a bamboo root plant? a root oh, vegetable man. or something like call that? Me, call me out here. I don't know. Yeah, I, thought, I don't, I I don't it's know. A tree, bamboo tree. No. Anyway, it's a shoot. Right. A shoot is a shoot a tree. Horticulturalist out there. <laughs> is that is that the correct term? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bot, bot, gardeners, botanists, gardeners. Botanists, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let us know. Is it a bamboo Farmers. tree? Is it a plant? Is it a shoot? What is it exactly? <laughs> anyway, yeah, bamboo plants. Uh, not one, you know, one doesn't quite do it for me, but I actually remember specifically being on a train, looking out the window and just seeing a big forest of bamboo in the mountain, not that far, like it's pretty close to the train, uh, a couple of years back and really having, you know, oh man, I guess combination with the train, which you, I, I suspect we might talk about more later, um, really was like, yeah, wow, I, Michigan, you know, we don't have bamboo and I just remember watching a lot of, you know, Japanese movies and seeing the bamboo. And I didn't really realize how it just integrated into the, like, uh, it is here. Like I thought you had to go to the bamboo forest in Kyoto only to see it. And yeah, it's just everywhere. And it to me is just so picturesque and so pretty. And it's like, how is this not a famous place that everyone's coming to? You know, it's just something you, you pass by every day. No one pays any mind to it, I guess. Uh, but for me, it's just one of those things I only saw in pictures and never saw in person. And, it's so different from any any other country, and um, I asked a coworker who I think at that time had lived here about sixteen years, and for me I was probably four years in around that time, and I was like, hey, so these I call these moments like I'm in Japan moments, you know, <laughs> and I, I kind of knew you're speaking to a vet who's been here that long, and yeah, he's Japanese wife, and you know, he's gonna roll his eyes, and I was like. Hey, how often do you have those moments, you know? Because I, I really love them, and I realize that they're slipping away, right? As you become mm-hmm. a lifer out here, like, you might not have them anymore. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's cute. Kind of like, that's cute. Um, he didn't say that, <laughs> but definitely got the feeling, oh, yeah. I'm a new guy. He's like, ah. A little condescending. He's like, maybe once a year or every other year I might have one. And I was like, kind of like, ah, oh, a little a little sad to uh to hear that, that and that made me kind of appreciate the moment more of like, all right, I still have them about, I'm seven years in now, eight years in, I can't remember. And, uh, I'd say I have them once a month to twice a month. How about you? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have them that often, but definitely multiple times a year, you know, 
probably I would I I guess five or six times where yeah. it really hits me. Every other I mean, time. I have those moments here and there, but um, yeah, it's usually when uh, you know I really experience that moment. That's mm. you know, I mean, there's varying degrees of it, right? So that's you were right. talking about bam- bamboo forests, and I I think I get a. You know, a small reaction from every time I go by, like a temple that has bamboo mm. around it or has a lot of flags. I, I don't know why flags, but, you know, just the red flags at a temple or, or um, you know, um, uh, all the drapery and stuff that's around the temple that's like blowing in the wind. Yeah. You know, those kind of things give me that a bit of that that feeling. Mm. But, um, yeah, the more bigger I live in Japan. Sensations usually come from you know other things. Okay. All right. Let's hear. But I, I I do I do want to say though, bamboo forests are something that I think every time I experience them, I get like that feeling as well. Mm. Um, when we go out to the bamboo uh, in Kyoto, you know they got the big bamboo forests. That's right. And uh, cl- going up the hills behind the temple, uh, what's the name of that? Um, the famous temple with the fox. And the Thousand Gates. Inari Shrine? Yes. Yep. Uh, that one is, that one always gives me that feeling. So, hmm. Were you planning to talk about bamboo today or no? Uh, I think I would have mentioned the bamboo forest. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, and the shrines, you know, I think it kind of goes hand in hand. You know, when I go to that, that temple, even though it's like one of the biggest tourist, you know, places, everybody goes there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a very impressive uh, shrine. Yeah, you know, I, agree. I mean, when, every time you go to an impressive shrine, I think it gives me that that feeling to some extent. Mm, I very much agree. Yeah, I would never imagine. I think shrines go two ways. You either get people kind of saying, "Once you've seen one, you've seen them all," and you can get like shrine uh, over overdose. You know, I think fatigue. I think especially if you're going to. Maybe I'll transition here into our, our, our next one that I have have to imagine you might have mentioned too. When you go to Kyoto, um, you it's easy to get shrine fatigue there because one side of Kyoto is you can go and just some people go and just look at shrines and temples all day. Mm-hmm. I've never, I don't think I've ever done it. I think I go to Kyoto always with a mission to like eat or shop or something. And then I see the temples and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go check that out. But I don't think I've ever, even my first time there, I don't think I was like, oh, I want to go to the Golden Temple and here and there. Never. It's almost always, I'm doing something else. And, oh, yeah, let's go just check out Temple today. Recently, we were, we did a really fun, like, bike trip around uh, Kyoto. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, let's go up to this area. And, oh, yeah, there's a temple over here. Why don't we check that out after these bookstores? And, like, it's great. It's like that was maybe the best part of the day was exploring those temples. But it wasn't really, it's just kind of an afterthought, right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of times those moments where I I get the feeling, um, you know, it comes as a surprise. And I think temples can be that way and shrines can be that way, too. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you've seen a a bunch of temples, you don't expect to be surprised. But sometimes you go to one and something surprising happens, you know, or they have some tradition that's surprising. Why do like we... writing your writing your prayers on like a piece of rice paper, yeah, and then putting it into a bucket and watching it disappear. I mean, things like that are really, really fun and surprising. And I think those, you know, those factor into like the times that I have those feelings. Hmm. Why, for the people at home, <laughs> I know the answer. I hope, but why? Why do you think shrines or temples are like 
why do they give you that feeling? What is it about them that, yeah, this is so Japan. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it ties into the tradition, mm-hmm. you know, of of Japanese architecture and, um, yeah, art and design, you know, like a, a, so much of Japanese design is like kind of uh, reflective of Shinto, you know, temples and Buddhism and um, those types of things. So, I mean, when you go there, it's always aesthetically pleasing and peaceful, you know, mm. and yeah, I don't know. It's just, I love lanterns. I love flags, you know, like those the, things just do it, right. do it for me. The Dragon Quest slimes everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of temples yeah, on, on the, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, for me, it's, I guess one of my misguided feelings about Japan was that everything was going to be like really awesomely designed and beautiful and clean. And yeah, I mean, Japan has that side to it, but, um, you know, there's a lot of rundown kind of industrial towns here too, more, more than I would have expected. And I think for me, the temples and the shrines are almost always impeccable. Yeah, you do get your kind of really small neighborhood one that's sometimes not the most well taken care of, you know. But yeah. th- those are definitely rare. And the, the average temple or shrine here is just pretty immaculate, you know, from the the landscaping to, again, yeah, the aesthetics and just the, the quiet. And they're just so beautiful and so much work's put kind of poured into them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I think yeah, that, that's the side of Japan that I kind of wanted to see when I was here, and you know, it it, it lives up to the hype. When you are at sh- temples and shrines, uh, everything's pretty perfect there, and there's just yeah, so relaxing. And then I guess the for me, the particular kinds of shrines or temples that really make me feel in Japan. The thing about Japan that I was always excited about when I first got here, even before I came, was the whole dichotomy of you know the modern versus in the tradition, right? side by side you know and a lot of times the temples or shrines they're in a downtown setting there's one in um you know just north of shinsaibashi where the bookstore we like is that area oh yeah yeah What's right by uh colombo books colombo books there you go right by colombo yes. books there's like a downtown kind of temple right and they have a swap meet sometimes like a flea market uh those are the ones for me that really do it because i'm a city guy but the city after, even after two or three hours, you know, it kind of takes a lot out of me and you just go to a, a temple and it really recharges your batteries, you know, and in the same skyline, you'll look and you'll see it. You're at the temple and right behind it are just skyscrapers and stuff. And it's such a cool, again, kind of juxtaposition of different styles and different sides of Japan. Yeah. If you live in a city, it's a good escape. And if you live in the countryside, it's, they're usually like sprawling and, and huge and they go up hills and, yeah, I mean, it, there's always some surprise to be had at temples and shrines. So, yeah, yeah I find that a, a lot of times I have that I live in Japan moment. Mm. At nighttime, if you go to a temple or shrine that's open at night and they light the lanterns, it's yep. some of the the most magical views and scenery that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, the, the shrine and temple capital, Kyoto. And I think Kyoto will have to be mentioned as... Yeah, to- Tokyo and Kyoto, I mean, you can kind of throw it together as the two, I th- I'm assuming you're going to agree with me here, the two cities that really make you feel I'm in Japan. You know, to be mm-hmm. honest, I live in Kobe. To be honest, you could tell me Kobe was in, you know, Korea or, you know, I don't know. It doesn't, it feels Asian for sure, but I don't know if Kobe feels really uniquely Japanese in any way. 
again, I mean, it's so subjective and how do you qualify Japan? A lot of it for me is stereotypical. Um, but yeah, Kyoto, it doesn't matter how many times I go there, right? I go pretty often. We live close enough and every single time I go, every time I go, oh, maybe this is kind of be the time I, I don't get the I'm in Japan moment, you know? <laughs> every time I get it, like a lot, it doesn't go away. Because sometimes the I'm in Japan moment just lasts for a second or two and then it's gone. Yeah. Pretty much the whole time I'm in Kyoto, I'm like, man, this is, this is it. I would have thought more of Japan was kind of like that. Yeah. And the funny thing is I hated Kyoto the first time I went. We've, we talked about it before. It, yeah, we, we yeah, both we've had, had experiences. We both had bad experiences for our first first trips, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you and I came around quickly. I think we both realized, like, Kyoto part, was awesome, well, you know. Part, after. Of, part of Kyoto is typically in Japan, if you go to the biggest subway station, that is the kind of cultural hub. So any other city, you know, you go to Osaka, you go to Osaka Station, that's one of the main cult, cult, cultural hubs. I would argue Southern Osaka is the real Osaka, which is not that. But you're going to see a good amount of stuff, right? Or But Shinsaibashi is, like, pretty well known. You're going to go there, and you're going to go to Namba, and then you'll see what I, I view as kind of the real Osaka. You go to Tokyo, you go to Tokyo Station. Yeah, it's not the best place there, but you're going to see a lot going on. And everyone knows Shibuya, and you go there. That's the, kind of the real heart. So you, you, the names are pretty well known. For me, you go to Kyoto, you assume Kyoto Station is going to be it. I don't think the average person, tourist especially, knows Sanjo or Shijo or Gojo Station. Like, those aren't <laughs> yeah. my names. So when I first came here, I, I have to imagine a lot of people have this similar story. I went to Kyoto Station. They explored all around Kyoto Station. But it's just <laughs> like any other city in Japan. There, you would never have any kind of Kyoto feel there or traditional feel. And you have to actually get on the train and go a couple stops away to get to, like, the real kind of the real Kyoto. Uh, depending on how you define that. Because I'm sure some people would never call uh, Sanjo and Gijo and stuff the real Kyoto, right? They're going to talk about like, some, <laughs> some northern Kyoto temples or something. But, yeah, for me, that that's the real Kyoto. But um, was yours similar to why you didn't like it at first? Did you go to the wrong, wrong place, uh, too? Well, I, the first time I, I was in Kyoto, I was really sick. Uh, <laughs> so I was... Me too, I was, bit, yeah deathly sick and i couldn't find my hostel so yeah and it was raining so there were a couple of things a couple of strikes against it you know mm. but um but yeah i i i mean even with my brief stay in kyoto on uh it was just one day i was there for one day and uh by the end of the day i was too sick to like keep going on i was like you know i could take a train the shinkansen back to tokyo for yeah you know, in two hours, I, I know where to get a hotel, you know, I'll just do that. And so um, that's what I ended up doing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad I've come back. I'm glad I've explored, you know, I mean, I've had some of those, wow, I live in Japan moments. When you go up to the monkey, it's kind of a tourist place as well, but the monkey mountain. Yeah, in Arashiyama. Yep. Yeah, have you been up there? Only six or seven times. Yeah, I've been a lot. <laughs> okay, yeah. good, good. <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, yeah, the, I mean, it's an awesome experience, you know, seeing the monkeys, you know, and seeing how, like, it's just people walking around and the monkeys are out there in the wild and they just say, well, don't stare at them for too long. <laughs> don't stare too at long, them in the eye. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't touch them, you know, don't feed them. 
uh, except they will let you feed them inside of this but, like house. But you have to go yeah. in the cage, and the monkeys are on the outside. It's a role, yeah. re- role reversal, and I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the monkeys great. are all staring at you in the cage. It's so funny. <laughs> it's very, very ironic if you think about it. Yeah, it is. It's probably how it should be. That's right. But, um, but yeah, that's. I mean, those kind of places are just magical. And then the river, like you know, the river that runs through the heart of Kyoto is just a wonderful place to go, you know, and anytime it's a, a beautiful either spring or, or, or fall day, mm. you know, I like to go over there with a couple of my favorite Kyoto snacks and just sit on the river and I, and I end up spending, I mean, you and I have recorded podcasts That's there. Right. Um, Emily and I have seen, uh, sat down and watched the, um, they call kite kites, you know, the, they look like hawks, but they're actually uh-huh. called black kites. Yeah, there's so and, much wildlife uh, there for being in the city. Yeah, we could, you could watch those birds dive bomb people's uh, um, bags and steal their steal their groceries. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot a lot of great you know magical moments in in Kyoto. Hmm. I mean, you can't beat you can't kind of can't beat it. Yeah, for me, some of the ones that really do it there are there's two that really stand out for me. One is a small alleyways. So just going mm. down and exploring alleyways. And down these alleyways, you'll see a lot of things. And I think we've talked a lot about the greatness of alleyways here. Uh, but the main reason why I like the Kyoto ones is uh, it's such an artisanal city. And, uh, I mean, we both have art backgrounds. And, yeah, I really love I love going out and shopping. And I love handmade things. And I, I don't know the facts on this. You know, I, I imagine maybe Italy or something might rival it. But... I can't imagine any other city in the world like per capita that has as many handmade shops or like places where people are still making things, you know, not yeah, a, craft, not, crafts, people, not yeah. at factories or anything. And I just think, you know, a lot of times there are people who are older and it's just so crazy to watch these people just do make the same product over and over again, their whole life and really perfect it. And there's so many times where I'm not good with social awkwardness. You know, some people don't mind staring a bit more than me maybe, but, I would just, I would pay month, someone like 10 bucks just to like watch them make their thing or just stop, you know, and look inside a shop. There's so many fascinating things happen. It's it's very like storybook s to me. And it's not the best comparison, but for something about it, it reminds me of Diagon Alley and Harry Potter. It has this kind of, these alleys have like these magical, like falling back in time uh, feel, you know, cobblestone streets and stuff. And again, like it doesn't, it's not a touristy area. Is literally you just find any alley, just get off the beaten path, and they're all really beautiful. And again, people making things, and every shop has its own unique design. And what's fascinating to hear when you talk with Kyoto people, they all say, "Oh, that's dying, or it's going away, or there's so few of it." But again, it's so much of it to me that I, what did it look like <laughs> 20 years ago? I can only imagine like how awesome that was. You know, I, yeah. I've never seen anything like it on that level of how kind of artisanal the city is. Uh, so for me, that's that's uh, yeah, very inspiring and very uniquely Japan. You know, aside of Japan, that I always liked is the handcrafted. People are still making, you know, the best whiskeys in the world, the best jeans in the world, all, all these things that are ironically you're not originally from Japan. But uh, that those are the things that I kind of got into about Japan uh, before I lived here. So to, to kind of see other things that are being made here that I didn't really know about, um, so cool. Yeah, yeah, textile shops and stuff like that. Yeah. Knives. Yeah. Knives are always a big one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's definitely one <laughs> of my swords. Bucket, bucket list items that we bought actually for my sister-in-law as a gift. 
And I'm always, yeah, I live close to her. And every time I go over there, I'm like, man, that was a really good gift. <laughs> so, so <laughs> such a good gift that I want to give myself one of those, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Like wooden handle and uh, the copper, like a hammered copper knife is so cool. I got to buy one. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what else you got? Uh, yeah, uh, I would say that there's this thing that happens when um, – Whenever I go to a new city or a new area, or we're going to go to a gallery or some uh, restaurant or market that we've heard of, uh, there's this t- moment where I come out of a, a subway or a train and I look over. Sometimes they're elevated, right? Like the stations are elevated. Mm. And when you come out of the station, they have this open air like – uh, overhangs and stuff and then you could kind of see the city around you mm-hmm. and it could be anywhere in japan but whenever i come out of those it feels like wow i live in japan mm-hmm. you got the fluorescent lights of all the shops that are around uh you got all the streets and you could see the mountains in the background or uh and a couple of places that make me feel this way are expo park i know i know you've been to expo park a number of times yeah. And so whenever I get out of that, um, there's actually a, what is it, a tram that runs to Expo Park. When you get out of the tram, uh, that whole station right there really makes me, I like, this is the weirdest, like, Dragon Ball architecture, like, I've ever seen. Like, the buildings don't look like normal buildings. They look like, kind of like science fiction-y, kind of, yeah, like Dragon Ball um, cities. Is that the part that's like a real plan city, but it maybe it was planned like 30 years? It doesn't feel new. Is no, it... no. It's like a 1960s yeah. future vision or something. But back like then, that. like someone really planned it out. You could tell them really thought about it all, but it's kind of like aging and a yeah. bit and decaying. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So there's that place. There's a couple others that I've been to. And um, whenever I, I'm in those kind of areas, it's kind of like run down shopping malls. Like it was designed to be like the hip happening place in the city. And, you know, 30 years ago, you know, or maybe after the 90s when the bubble burst, a lot of those places became vacant. Mm. And whenever I'm in those spots, I just think like, wow, there's no place. There's probably no place in the world that looks like this and probably very few people that appreciate it, (laughs) you know. Right, right. And, uh, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I just it gives me a good feeling and it makes me it just kind of inspires my imagination and that's a cool trying to figure out like why it was designed this way. Huh. But it doesn't have to be like the these oddly shaped cities. It's usually it's just any station I come out of and I, I look around and I see, um, you know, you have a good view of the city from the station. Hmm. And yeah, it just really it really that moment hits me. I live in Japan. Wow, this is this is nuts. There's so many places to explore. Mm. You know, I think that's really that's really where that feeling comes from, you know. It's the potential mm. of exploring a new place. Yeah, I think, again, we've gone on record kind of saying compared to other places in the world we lived, Japan's exploring has a lot of payoffs, you know. Like, you really can you just take crazy turns. And you can really – some of the coolest stuff is so hidden here. Almost on purpose, it feels like it's – trying not to be found you know like they don't want business oftentimes here which is really strange I, I don't i think if you're trying to practice business in japan it's a famously difficult thing because yeah the hours that people are open and the sign there's so many shops here just don't have signs like you don't know what's in there how would you know but word of mouth right so anyway yeah i think when you're saying that 
opportunity for adventure. It's because this really is there. For some places we've gone, and it's like a lot of dead ends, metaphorical dead ends too. Like, oh, yeah, it's nothing exciting. You got to kind of stay in the center of the city, right, to find the good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. That's cool. I never would have thought of that. Um, I have another one, which is the store, Village Vanguard. Every time <laughs> I go to the store, Village Vanguard, I definitely get I'm in Japan moments. And maybe it's, you know, I'd go there when I was a tourist and have really fond memories of those trips to Japan. But I guess if I was going there all the time, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have the feeling. But it's kind of store where I kind of purposely don't go all the time because they don't really update their inventory that much. But about once a month, you know, I'd say. If I were to go there once a month or once every other month, I still would get that feeling. It just would kind of guarantee it to me. Uh, very, very sadly, we've talked about some COVID uh, store deaths here. And uh, the Kobe Village Vanguard recently, maybe two months ago, shut down. So we don't have one no here. No way. Osaka. Yeah, it was, it was one of the... Oh, no. I liked it. It was one of the bigger ones. That was one of the better ones, yeah. That's right. So... Yeah. Yeah, yeah for those of you who don't know what Village Vanguard is, it's basically an exciting like bookstore, Matt. <laughs> yes, the their the tagline uh, is exciting slogan, bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, what they are is like a Spencer's, if you know Spencer's from the United States. <laughs> this is a good, but this is a good analogy, Japanese, but it's a Amer- bad analogy Amer- at the I same know. time. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they got cool, cool books, and they got lots of trinkets and things, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool place. And, uh, to me, it's a unique. But it is like a it's it is like a Spencer or a hot topic. Like if you put okay. those together, and then you added like a little bit of a magazine shop and maybe a, a CD. I would argue you know, CD store. Just like the phrase "itadakimas" cannot be translated, <laughs> Village Vanguard cannot be translated with Spencer's or hot topic exactly. Which is why it's a I'm in Japan moment is because yeah, it's, it's a uniquely Japanese store. It's a hodgepodge of so many things of they basically take subculture and slice it up. I guess in that way it is hot topic. If it's like the fast, yeah. fast food mall version of like, you want skater culture? Here you go in the corner. We got thrasher stuff for you. You know, you want the hip hop culture over here? All right. We got the, you know, run DMC album blasting and like Adidas shirts over here. And know? we got the Ninja Turtles. Don't forget. You want your 80s nostalgia kick back here? We got Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters and we got it all. It's like your one stop shop. But um, I guess the crazy thing about it is every shot, it feels so unofficial and kind of bootleggy for being mm-hmm. like a franchise. It's all across the country. Um, yeah, there's certain parts of it, certain areas again that are in there that all the signs are like handmade right from the staff and it feels like they, they have like tons of packs, like eighties Ninja Turtles, um, cards, like playing cards. Uh, play. yeah. The trading, trading, trading cards. cards. There you go. The bubble, gum. Like the bubble gum still inside from 30 years yeah. ago. Like how, how are they getting that? Like all, again, all these things that you just can't, it's not corporate, but it, yeah. it is a franchise. Like how do they get all this stuff? I don't know. In that sense to me, it's, it's very, very Japanese. You know, they always have the, uh, Gachapon outside there too and the Japanese snacks and uh, it's a great place to find new Japanese music because they're always blaring you know different subcultures of music from different sections you know new music that's coming out yeah and for me it's to be honest you know there's been some days I'm like ah I don't know life's kind of getting boring here like I haven't what I don't know what's new in Japan anymore I, f- I shouldn't say this as a Japan you know subculture podcast host but you know I, I have some days where things get 
a bit um, gray, you know. And yeah, we've we've lived here for a long time, you yeah. know. Or you need some inspiration, yeah. and Village Vanguard gives me that inspiration. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I I agree too. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I ever get that. I live in Japan moment there. Oh, really? But yeah, I mean, there are times where I find things there where I'm like, oh, I can't believe I live in Japan and I can find this stuff. Mm. Like you know when they were doing all the Tekon concrete stuff and. Right. To Tayo Matsumoto, they they oftentimes have like limited, uh, limited items, T-shirts and buttons and pins and stuff from some of your favorite franchises that mm. might be a little more niche. So, yeah, Village Vanguard, you got to check it out if you come to Japan. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a divisive. Like, again, I've told people this before, and they're like, "Really? <laughs> that place is like so touristy and like annoying." And like, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> Uh, I remember there was a guy I asked one time who's lived here not probably about seven years. This is my first year. I was like, Village Ranger, I was like, great. I was like, please tell me like seven years in, like it's still good, right? And he's like, nah, not really. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like, that store was good for like a year, year and then you get sick of it. But I'm, I'm happy to report if you're a like-minded individual, then uh, I don't know, seven years in, still, still going strong on my Village Vanguard love. Yeah, I haven't got sick of it yet. Yeah. Every year around Christmas time, I'm in there for three or four times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how many more do you have? Uh, you know, I got I got a couple more, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Right. Maybe we'll uh, do I, some I mean, quick, I, I, I could probably just keep going. Yeah, let's do some um, quick ones. I'll say that you know, going um, going out with my Japanese friends and doing something you know that is traditional gives me that moment you know in a major way. Mm-hmm. So um, I recently took an onsen trip to Wakayama with a a good friend of ours. And uh, yeah, he took me to this onsen that was like right on the water. It's on the ocean. Like you see the ocean, the ocean, if the tide is high, it splashes up and goes into the onsen. Mm. And, um, you know, onsen's kind of the place where you're naked with a bunch of of dudes, old dudes. Or or girls, um, if you're a girl. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's a divide. There was a divider from the men and women at this one, but this was open air, and um, and there was this huge walkway that was like across from us. And I said, well, I wonder what that's for. And I saw people walking over to it, and then I realized it's an observation tower. <laughs> and on the observation tower, they have those. You know, you could put the money in the yeah. the. the <laughs> telescopes or whatever the perv the perv observation tower the pervy and i was like you know i'm i'm out here in the open naked in a boiling water and and there's a family you know just above me i guess i live in japan you know that's right uh (laughs) i never would have done this stuff back home you know uh, onsen was definitely on my list today to talk about and for sure it's it's definitely uh you would never be an onsen. Oh, I guess some people do them back home, but it's, it's pretty, pretty rare. And yeah, I think between us, you know, I was always a big fan of it. And I knew living in Japan was going to get you to do it because I knew you like Japanese culture enough to, to give it a go. Uh, it existed in, yeah. in, in Korea too. But uh, yeah, for me, you know, being, being naked in nature feels like I've come a long way. And my American self, <laughs> my American self would have never done it, you know, and thought, yeah that's too out of my comfort zone to do it i think now that i'm completely comfortable you know i can fall asleep in there i'm so comfortable that uh it kind of shows how japan's changed me 
and that makes me feel very much at home in, in Japan. Yeah, I just waved to the people, you know. I was like, hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they're very chatty. Um, I think uh, similar to shrines and temples on this one, right? It's kind of the look and the feel, very classically Japanese, and just yeah, a lot of uh, work seems to be put in the aesthetic. And Japanese are kind of famously you know, hard workers, but to combat that hard work, I think they need to be really hard at relaxing too. I wouldn't say that we spend enough time relaxing here. Um, but when you do it, it's like, you got to go out and do it right. Like a lot of things here and they sure. really are good at relaxing the few times that they, again, generalizing, but the few times that it happens here, they relax hard and onsens yeah. are like, yeah, it's very crafted well for relaxing. That's relaxing hard. Relaxing <laughs> hard. Uh, all right. So yeah, onsens going on traditional trips. Uh, I think one of the last ones I have is going to... Denden Town in Osaka or mm. Akihabara in Tokyo specifically. And again, this depends on what Japan is to you, I guess, before you kind of come here. But uh, I can't lie if I was going to say uh, video games wasn't a big reason for me. But it's not even the video games. It's, it's like the... I just think they're like kind of like the bright lights and the, the neon. And yeah, I think Japan's is famous for electronic... And, exports you know sony and stuff even before their video games the walkman and yeah going to these areas where the computers are made and things like that um are are uh yeah really a big reminder of that for me yeah i mean i i have to totally agree with you mm -hmm. um you know i catch a lot of flack for this one because um you know a lot of people that have come to visit and a lot of people and you know Emily, my wife, will occasionally do this too. Um, you know, I get Denden Town or Akihabara shamed a little bit because, I mean, there's such shady neighborhoods as well, right? Mm. Like, I mean, you go into those neighborhoods and they have, like, all the anime, you know, anime boobs on <laughs> on everything and the maid cafes and the, um, you know, all all those shady – the porn shops are everywhere, right? The tanga there are famous tanga shops yep. are, are out there, right? And uh, but you know, and people said, oh, "You like this part of town? Why? Why? You know, like this is this is just like a gross neighborhood or whatever." But um, but it is that do-it-yourself, you know, underground like culture, you know, that is kind of interesting. And it, for me, it's the of course we're into records, we're into video games, we're into electronics. You know, um, I'm starting to get a little more into like uh, home home electronic, like m tinkering with like electronics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, that place is great for it. You know, they have drones and remote control cars and computers and speakers and like, I mean, all this great stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's just the whole experience, the whole ambiance, the nerdy people, the guys dressed in the anime clothes and stuff. I mean, it's just the the. I mean, even all the the maids on the street passing out flyers and stuff. It's such a unique Japan experience that you can't help but feeling that feeling like, wow, I'm in Japan right now. Yeah, while we might not like the sexualized part of those cities, you can't deny that it's not uniquely Japan. You know, like a, the I'm in Japan yeah. moment. I guess everything we've said so far is quite positive, but. It doesn't have to be positive. It has to just be something that's like, wow, I don't think anywhere else in the world has this, you know? Um, yeah. At least not that I've been. 
And yeah, I mean, it's definitely weird, but it's definitely like, oh, this is this is Japan, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, don't you don't you find like the most creative parts of town and the most interesting places are the weird places? You know, when we were in Korea, it was the same. You know, we go to Itaewon, which was, you know, known for being shady and weird. Or we go to H, uh, um, was it? I, I I don't know where I, I just lost my train. HPC, HPC. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, those neighborhoods were great. There were a lot of great people out there, you know, a lot of creative folks. And, you know, of course, there was the foreigner community. I think in Akihabara and, and uh, Denden Town, it's less of a foreigner community, although there's a lot of tourism. Hmm. But, yeah, cool parts of town. Yeah. Gives you that feel, those feels. Yeah. And nothing like a super potato. Super. You go into a super potato and you just, I get that feeling all over it's like the first time i've been in a super t- potato you know yeah for at least one second you know yeah, yeah yeah for sure it's a nostalgia chip too i mean even though it's a nostalgia maybe we weren't here for uh i think i lived here long enough to kind of like i don't know second hand appreciate <laughs> i mean i grew up in the same era in america but uh the little snacks and things like that uh, i like in, in super potato the retro snacks as well yeah Anyway, those are kind of it's the like, main ones I, w- I wanted to talk about. There's definitely others, but uh, as always, you know, uh, maybe we'll save it for a 2.0 version, unless you have a couple of last-minute ones you want to throw in. I mean, the last one I want to say is conveyor belt sushi. Yeah, kaiten sushi. I, I think, I don't I don't know why, but every time I go to conveyor belt sushi, I have that moment. And maybe it's because it's such a unique way to consume food, you know, pulling the, the sushi off of the conveyor belt and having mm-hmm. it delivered directly to your table. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I just always get that feeling of, wow, you know, mm. I live in Japan. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those wild moments that, yeah, every it seems like every time I go, it's it's a good feeling, you know. Which, what's your good... fa- favorite uh, conveyor belt, kaiten sushi? Like, not, not um, shop, but, like, what uh, kind of sushi? Because they have their own kind of unique styles there, I think. Uh, so, what what type of sushi? Like, for example, it's my favorite? Yeah, when I go there... There's a kind of a kaiten sushi places. There's some famous ones. So there's one called Sushiro, uh, Kappa Sushi. Kura, Kura Sushi. Kura Sushi and Kappa Sushi are kind of the big three. Yeah. And um, those places all carry certain kinds of sushi that when I go to proper sushi shops, more Edo style, uh, they don't have oh, these yeah, kind yeah. of things, right? So one, yeah, for yeah. example, I, got, I might go with the names, but it's essentially uh, it's got like avocado and shrimp in the middle. And then it's like a roll. And then on top it has like lots of mayonnaise and I'd actually wish it didn't have the mayonnaise, but yeah, it's got egg, avocado and like fried shrimp stuffed in the middle and you got like two pieces like of the roll. I don't know that one, but I like that one a lot. Yeah. Okay. How about, yeah. How about you? The one, the one I like is going to be sacrilege for sure. Well, that, mine was um, like definitely very Americanized <laughs> sushi too. So go for it. At least yours had some seafood. Um, yeah. The one I like is the, it's a small slice of beef. On top of a uh, um, oh, yeah. on top of rice, that one's good. Yeah. And then they they grilled the um, the mayonnaise on the top oh, with yeah. a torch, like a charred grill, yeah. And yeah, and oh man, that thing is so good. That's a good one. All right, with a couple of beers and uh, a couple of those, the gyudon. All right, I guess the gyu gyu sushi. I don't know what they call it, but um, yeah, it's so good. There you go, melon soda. Ever get the melon soda? 
I rarely get the middle <laughs> one said. <laughs> so those are things that are, again, but that's another one. Kind of talking about I, some stereotypes. Like when I used to come here, things that I would have thought would be like, oh, yeah, I'll be doing this all the time, but I don't are melon soda. I, I thought melon soda was great. The thing about melon soda is it is great, but like you just can't do that on the regular. Your teeth are going to fall out, no, you know? No, it's too sweet. Calpis is another oh. one. I love Calpis. I remember when I first moved here, I used to buy, you get like this Calpis concentrate because it's cheaper. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And you like water it down. And I would buy that and just thought, this is it. This is heaven. It's so cheap. It's so great. I never, ever do that stuff anymore. <laughs> um, you know what I do? I, you know what I've never gotten out of doing is is buying Kaki no Tane, the rice, the little rice crackers with the peanuts. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, I never get sick of those. I've eaten those. You guys love those ones? <laughs> six, six years straight, and yeah. I've, I'm still eating them. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think uh, that's a wrap. I think we kind of covered it. Again, this might be one we come back to a couple of years from now. Might be interesting to report, you know, 10 years in, what still gives us those those feelings or those, those moments. There's a bunch I could have thought of. I didn't, I didn't have to put a lot of uh, pre-work into this episode because I, I, I get them pretty often still. And I think it's actually one of the keys to happiness. You know, mindfulness is a buzzword for the last, you know, five years or whatever. But um, I think having those moments and the kind of people I talk to who don't tend to have those moments here tend to not really be as happy living out here, you know? And, yeah. uh, I think if you focus on them more or become more aware of them, or even me having like the phrase, I think I think about them more even. So I'm seven years in now, but I think like two or three years in, I started to like realize, like, Oh, this is kind of a thing or a feeling. I think I actually started to have it more often as I became mm. more aware of it. And it's kind of brought more appreciation to uh, me, you know, enjoying my life out here. So, yeah, yeah. I think Japan is a great place where you can appreciate the small things, yeah. right? Like, and I, I guess if I ever get, uh, if I ever feeling down or whatever, I just have to think about where I came from and how how much better I have it here. So, um, you know, I'm really thankful for those moments. And uh, yeah, I don't see those moments going away anytime soon. That's right. Who's, uh, I was going to say who's the music, but before we do that, we got to do our uh, social media reminder, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can find us around the internet at Japan 2.0. Spell out point, and that's a zero at the end. Um, once again, we did an extra podcast with um, Made in Japan podcast. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, it was a really good episode. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, uh, we're at Twitter, Twitter, and we're at Japan 2.0. <laughs> I promise uh, we're coming up on a winter break pretty soon, Matt and I, which is we get a couple of weeks off uh, our work, and that's usually when I'm the most creative. So I'll put a couple more uh, Instagram posts up. So look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I think um, uh, winter break is gonna be a lot more fruitful <laughs> for the Japan 2.0 community. Yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. everybody out there. Thank you for sticking with us. Hopefully we can and, record uh, a good yeah. chunk of episodes then and kind of release steady, steadily too. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, um, today's uh, song of the show is uh, something off of one of Macaroon's albums. Macaroon. 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 Like mush- macaroon yeah. and mushroom. And you put it together, oh, wow. you got macaroon. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's a very interesting uh, uh, singer. And uh, 
she could be a songwriter. I'm not <laughs> sure. But I've been listening to her uh, music lately. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of nice music uh, in these, uh, yeah, these kind of difficult times. And it's just, uh, yeah, helped my commute a little bit. So I hope you enjoy uh, whatever song I choose from Macaroon. Macaroon, Macaroon. <laughs> Macaron. Macaron. <laughs> See ya. Peace. Sign out. Chug-a-run, 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 chug-a-run.